not the goodness of men. None of us would ever come to the place where we would truly get right with God on our own. And I don't know about y'all, but when you're honest, God is good to us when we don't deserve it. And in the goodness of God, God moves in our hearts to renew and revive our spirits when we're in sin. He comes to us. And all over the country right now in the nation, revivals are breaking out. You may believe it, you may not. It may make you nervous. But it's all, if you look at what's happening, people confessing. I'm not right. I'm not real. And it starts with things like just what you've seen. Someone saying, I don't want religion anymore. I don't want church. I want him. I'm not right. You may be looking and saying, you know, whether what you believe about these things that are going on just this week, right over in Meridian where we came from, there's a Christian school named Richland Christian Academy. Been there many times. Spoke at, the, at, at it once for a men's breakfast. I know a lot of people that go there. Many people from our previous church had their kids in that school. And they were having a student-led service this Friday. And all of a sudden, kids started crying, confessing sins. Confessing outwardly, publicly, things in their life that they were doing on the computers that they were doing with one another, the lie that they were living. We might be at a Christian school, and seven of them got saved before that service was over. It kept going through Friday night. It kept going through Saturday night. And last night, they moved it to Northcrest because of logistical reasons, and it's still going on as we speak. You've heard of Ashbury. Regardless of what you believe about it, I'd like to read something. I love this here. Look at what's going on. It's one of my favorites that I've heard from any preacher. It's from a preacher named David Quinn. And he says this about it. The main takeaway from the Ashbury Revival is this. There is a piano player, a guitar player, and a single drum. Hard, uncomfortable chairs. Ugly interior. The lights don't dim. No one is serving donuts. Not a single smoke machine in the place. No fancy lights, no timers, no perfect productions. No leader, no teams, no hierarchy or competition. No kids class, no nursery. Nobody greets you in the parking lot. Literally no structure whatsoever. Apparently the only thing needed to attract people to God is God. What, why have we made it so complicated? Time to get back to the pure and simple. An altar and a sacrifice. His name is Jesus. Let's give him back his house. Just worship him and see what happens. Truly worship him. And I'm adding this in spirit and truth. Not just religious activity. Not just stand up and sing a song. Praise him. He inhabits the praises of his people. And when you see what she done, that's what brings revival. When God breaks you, when he 
convicts you, the fact that you can sit here and you got things that you hope nobody finds out about and you're comfortable, you're way worse off than a person that will come up here and cry at an altar in front of a whole church. And friends, I'm here to tell you today, God is tired of our religious activity. He's tired of men with hearts who speak to him and who praise him, their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And in vain, Jesus said, men like that worship him. I'm here to tell you today that the reason we are where we are is not any other thing more at fault than the church. Because we are the hope of God changing and we need revival. This morning, if you got your Bible, I was amazed because this here goes right along with what I have God put on my heart this morning to preach. And if you got your Bible this morning, we're going to be preaching out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19, verse 27. And you know, I don't know what you think it takes to be a soul winner, to share your faith. A lot of people think it takes the mind and having the right knowledge and having the right intellectual understanding. I don't believe that is it. There's too many people that have everything they need to know in their mind. They have all the knowledge. They have all the know-how. But they still don't witness. I am firmly convinced that being a witness for the Lord is much more to do with your heart than it is with your religion knowledge and your understanding. There's not many Baptists that's been in church very long that doesn't know enough to, see, to share their faith. If you got saved, you know enough. And I want us to look at a verse from the Apostle Paul this morning. Paul said, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. That's what he's speaking to the Corinthian church. Notorious sinners. <laughs> Corinth, uh, uh, New Orleans of their day. And Paul said, this is what I do for the sake of the gospel, that I may share it with you, that you may be able to experience what I've experienced, that I may be a partaker of it with you. And I want to ask us today as a church, having spent a whole month of preparing ourselves, training ourselves, equipping ourselves to share lost neighbors, lost loved ones that are going to wake up in hell one breath from death. If they die. And I know y'all got them. They don't live for Jesus. They don't have any evidence. They got dipped maybe. But they are out in the world. They live in the world because they belong to the world. And religion's not going to help them. When Jesus comes into a life. You become a new creature. All things pass away. All things become new. It doesn't matter if it happened when you were six. Nine. Twelve. Or a hundred. When Jesus comes into a life, you are a different type of person. Or he ain't in there. And you can get in sin. You can mess up. You can be in a place where you wish you wouldn't be. And, but you won't stay that way. God's spirit will deal with you. He'll work on you. The goodness of God will break you and bring you to a place of repentance where you say, God's been too good to me. He saved me. I can't be like this. I'm in sin. I got to get right. That's when revival can happen. And what's wrong with the church today? We all are not spirit-filled people because it's the spirit in us 
that gives you the ability to witness. If you never witness, you are not a spirit-filled Christian. You are a carnal, worldly, fleshly child of God. Because if you're a spiritual child of God and you're led by the Spirit, you're going to witness. No one wants to tell people that. But that's the bottom line, my friend. And you will stand before my Lord one day, just like me, and give an account, not for your sin. He paid that for you at Calvary. But for what you did with the salvation he bought you and how you served him. And if you've never witnessed for him, if you've never spoke up for him, if you've never allowed his spirit to use you to be his witness, you're going to stand and give an account for that. But worse than that, you're going to find out that many other lives could have been saved and could have come to Christ if God would have had control of our lives. Paul said, for this I'm doing for the gospel's sake. This is what I do. We're going to look at that in this passage. So I want to ask us this morning, what are we willing to do this morning? What are we willing to do as a child of God, saved, washed in the blood, filled with the Spirit? God loves you. He's, he's in your life to see men saved. What are you willing to do? Because, friends, listen, good intentions don't save people. Believe in something but not doing it. Even the demons believe, but they don't do what God wants us to do. Friends, we've got to get past believing, and we've got to get to trusting to the point we do it. And, friends, Paul, if you look in this text this morning, read it with me. Paul says in verse 19, For though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. I want you to notice in the next four verses, he's going to say that I might win them. That I might win them to Christ five times. Five times. You see, Paul's life was overwhelmed with a heart that wanted to win people to Christ. We aren't like that. It's not the gospel that's the problem. It's the presenter. (laughs) It's the messenger. The message is sound. See, Paul knew what Jesus taught, that the harvest was plentiful, but the laborers are few. And agreeing with it, believing it, will not save one soul till you share it. And Paul said, this was what I was willing to do to share it. Look at it with me. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as those under the law, that I might, here it is again, win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, that's the Gentile, as without law, not being without law towards God, but under the law toward Christ. Paul said that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, I became as weak. That I might win the weak. And then he says, I have become all things to all men that by all means I might save them. I want you to think what Paul said. I don't know what your answer is. But Paul said, my answer, this is what I do for the gospel's sake. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do, I'm willing to be without, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to see my fellow man saved from hell and given salvation like I have, to give away the gospel that saved me. I want you to look at some things I outlined there. Whatever it takes to Paul, 
He said, I have become all things. That means whatever it takes. To all men, that means to whoever needs it. That I might by all means, that's however, I got to do it. The death of the Baptist church is we ain't never done it this way. This is how we've always done it. If how you're doing it is winning souls and people are getting saved and getting baptized and living for Jesus and they becoming new creatures in Christ, by all means, keep doing it. But why would we keep doing something that ain't won nobody to Christ since Paul walked the earth? But that's what we'll do. That's religion. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I gave up on, I'm all for religion and traditions that honor God and bless people. But I'm not going to die worshiping a sacred cow if I can help it. I'm going to worship Jesus and I'm going to let him lead me by his spirit. And I'm like Paul. All things, whatever. All men, whoever. And by all means, however, we got to do it, folks. As your pastor, I say we need to do it so that we can save some. And friends, listen. The first thing Paul said Soul winning's hard work. You might as well get ready. You can't just be a, a, a comfortable, complacent, go to church on Sunday. Soul winning is a way of life. It's not a weekend hobby. It's not something that you decide to occasionally do. Soul winning is much more caught than it is taught. Because if you could give it away by teaching it, we'd all be soul winners. You got to catch it. How do you catch it, my God? What does he do? Well, he does give you a certain amount of knowledge. But the main thing he does is he changes your heart. He turns your heart toward a heart like him. When Jesus came to earth, he said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. You see, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about Jesus, and it's about the lost person that doesn't know him yet. We're last on the list. Jesus, the lost, then us. But too many of us here this morning, we're first on the list. It's my way. And we want to do everything our way. You see, Paul said, for though I'm free from all men, I don't owe any man anything. But even though I'm free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all. Why? That I might win the more. Guys, I don't know if you figured this out yet. But they're not going to come just because you sit here and pray for them. That's the beginning. You need to pray. You need to pray God will go before you. Convict their heart. We've been doing that. We make a, pros a, a prospect list. You know, the thing of it is, did you make a prospect list? And if you made it, did you pray for them still? Or are you praying? Because that's the beginning of seeing someone come to Christ. you got to have intercessors. We've taught it. It's all through the Bible. But it ain't a pray. You pray one time and go back to your dead Baptist religion as usual. You, you, you get a burden. Everywhere you look, Paul starts every letter with, in my prayers, he prayed for them every day. And guys, I want you to think about this. He said, I've made myself a servant to all. Paul was now saved. He had been delivered from the law, from Judaism, from the lie that had enslaved him and made him Saul of Tarsus, a wicked, evil man who hated the church, hated Jesus, hated God's people, was persecuting them. He was filled with religion and self-righteousness, and it made him from his own mouth become a person he didn't even like. 
But God delivered him. But he would go back to them. He would go back to the Jew. He didn't no longer have to keep the Jewish law. He didn't have to keep all the Jewish religion. But when he went back, he said, look at what he says right there. To the Jews, he said, I've become all things to all men. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. Guys, you can't treat every person the same. It's wonderful to just go and share, and we should, but if you want to win the people that God's put in your life, some are different than others. Some people are very religious already. The hardest person to win is not the person without law, the Gentile, the heathen, the, the, like the, 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 if you noticed everywhere Paul went, Gentiles got saved. They never heard the law in their life. They never knew about Moses. They never knew about all the things of God. The hardest people to win was the self-righteous Pharisees and the religious leaders and the religious Jew. So Paul said, when I came to the Jew, I did whatever it took to win a Jew. And guys, the hardest person in here this morning to get saved is the lost Baptist that's been on the roll for his whole life, it seems like. But he ain't saved. There's no spiritual activity in his life. He's not born again. He's a good person. He believes, but he doesn't have the ability within him to do because it's only by the work of the Spirit and by the grace of God we can do and live for God. Our religion falls short. You see, the Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags apart from God. It's Jesus working in and through us. And nobody can win people to Christ. No one can glorify Christ unless Christ is in us, the hope of glory, Paul says. So he says, whenever I came to the Jews, I did what it took to win Jews. He says, those who were under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. Paul was not under the law anymore. He was set free. To those who are without law, that would be the Gentile, the heathens. As to without law, he says, but now I'm, I'm, I don't go and do what they do. But I'd go to them and connect with them. I'd build bridges with them. I'd, I'd find ways to to explain and teach the gospel to them that they could receive. He says, not that I'm not under the law of God in Christ, but he says that I might win those who are without. Then he says, to those who are without the law, without, that I might win those who are without the law. Look at this one, verse 22. You know what most people, religious people look for good people. We want people who can come and be an asset. <laughs> we want the people that'll come and they're already trained. We can get them. I love when people join the church that are godly people. They're welcome. But what about the weak people? The people whose lives, because they are not spiritually healthy. Paul said, to the weak, I became as the weak. He said, that I might win them. If all you do is go around people who are like you, who you like, how they are, because... That's the kind of people you want to have. You're never going to be a soul winner. A soul winner will go to anybody. That's what Paul said. To all men, however, to whoever. And be a laborer for the Lord. Friends, I'm going to tell you right now, there's some people that are difficult to witness to. I was telling Jonathan a story just right now. Brother Malcolm Ellis is one of my favorite preachers. He doesn't preach revivals anymore. He took a church. But he was my favorite revival preacher. I would try to get him every chance I could to come. He's a great man of God, awesome teacher. He told a story. He said back when 
revivals were back in the older days. He says, we didn't just come and sit in the motel all day till the service started. He said, the preacher was there picking you up at 8 o'clock. And he'd say, come on, we're going to go make the rounds. And he said, the host pastor would pick up the evangelist and he'd take you to his list of prospects. These are someone who I'm trying to get to come to church tonight. They were members. They're not coming anymore. This is a man who's lost. His wife's been praying for him for quite a while. And um, we're going to go see him and let you talk to him and see if we can get him. So he said that that pastor took that man all around all day. And he said, that old preacher told him, he says, it's obvious that you're taking me to the people that you feel safe. These are people who you, um, you already know. He said, I want you to take me to the man, the last man in your county that you're aware of that you think would be safe. I want you to bring me to the, the worst candidate, the, the, the person you are scared to even go see. That's who I want you to bring me to. He said, there's a little old lady that comes, but he said, her husband's mean as a snake. He's cussed preachers out. He's run people out of his yard. He said, that's where I want you to bring us. That's where I want to go. Brother Malcolm said that pastor said he drove down the driveway. He said he was hoping and praying he wasn't going to be there. He was in the field. His tractor was broke down. He was in a bad mood. He said they got out. They had to climb through a barbed wire fence. They walked across the field. They came up to that tractor, and that old man was working on that tractor. And he said, he told him, how you doing today? He said, I ain't doing too good preaching my train. He said, he's all in a bad mood. He's raising cane. He said, who is this? He said, I'm the visiting evangelist. He said, they told me you was mean. They told me you wouldn't like me. He said, he cussed him out, started telling him all kind of stuff. He said, that old preacher never batted an eye. That old evangelist said, well, I just come today because I don't know what they've told you or not told you. But I come today to tell you I'm visiting to preach this week. And you're welcome to come. And that God loves you. And he died for you. And he'll save you if you'll quit being like this. And that old preacher said, I ain't interested. Cussed him out. You know what he told him? He said, well, I come today to tell you what I told you. And if you want to die, you old cantankerous, mean old man, that's good with me now. Because I heard from God. He said, go witness to the last and the meanest one they can find. And then go preach to them the rest of the week. He said, so you want to die? Go to hell, go right ahead, mister. He turned, climbed back through that barbed wire fence, got in that preacher's car, and they went back to church. That preacher said he was like, guess who came to church that night? That old man. Guess who got saved before the end of that revival? That old man. Guess who became a faithful disciple of Jesus? That old man. You see, you only pick who you think. God can save anybody. Paul went to anybody. He said, I go to all men, however I got to go to whoever, and I do whatever it takes to tell them about Jesus. And the sad news is some of us won't even tell our neighbor across the street. We went through a whole month of Sundays being trained, and you ain't told nobody yet. And you keep saying, well, when will I? I'm going to tell you when you will, when you get your heart right with God. Not your mind. Not your spiritual knowledge and your religious understanding, but when you get right with God. Look with Paul. I want you to think about this. Winning lost sinful men requires sacrifice. It required Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. The son of the living God, sinless and perfect, without blemish, holy, who died. Now, he's done everything needs to be done, thank God. All our job is to make it known, to tell people. 
But look at what Paul says when you, you look past where he says in verse 22. Where he says, I've, now the, I mean verse 23 says, Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker, a share of it with you. But do you know that those who run in a race all run? but only one receives the prize. Paul wasn't satisfied with just getting a you were in the race certificate. Paul wanted the first place prize. And listen what he says. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Are you running to win the prize? Are you trying to win people to Christ? Because remember, this is in context of winning souls. Look at verse 25. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, that means self-disciplined in somebody's translation, that's what it says, in all things. It takes the temperament to be self-disciplined, self-controlled. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, something that's going to pass away, but we do it for an imperishable crown, something that will last forever. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, but with purpose. That's what he did. He said, I, I know where I'm running. I know what I'm going to do. He says, thus I fight not as someone who just beats the air. He says, I make my punches count. And then listen to what he says. And this is the verse I want us to look at for the rest of this service. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. That's the main reason most Baptists don't witness. Because, listen, not only can you be disqualified from God, but you can be disqualified from the man you're trying to win. That's why it's imperative, that's it's important that we be people of integrity. We'll never be perfect, but we have to have character that honors God. We have to not have hidden things in our life of shame. Someone this morning, Miss Erin, y'all all seen her broken. She's probably embarrassed now. The devil's messing with her. She's not, I probably right now she feels a lot better than when she came. She came to the altar and she got right. She said, I, I'm, I can't live like this. I'm living a double life. How many of us in here are living a double life? You're not what you're making yourself to look out to be. Because sooner or later, if there's things in your life that shouldn't be there and you're not right with God, the people around you that you want to reach the most, that you want to preach to the most, you'll disqualify yourself. Because they know you ain't real. That you're more religious. Sometimes you got to just tell them, I'm sorry, I failed, I repent. But I asked God to forgive me and now I'm asking you to forgive me. What I did was not Christ-like, but I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I'm telling you, he's forgiven me. And, and, I, and now I want to live right. Humility is important. But the pride, the opposite of humility is to sit here knowing you need to come to this altar today too. That you can't tell nobody about Jesus either. So guys, today I want you to think about this. It takes the effort to discipline your body, to bring it under subjection. To live in a way that glorifies God. Listen what Paul told him. If you, you can hold your place here and come back if you want. But it's over in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Listen what he says. He says, therefore since we have this ministry. What ministry? The ministry of winning people to Christ. To be in his representatives. As we have received mercy, we've been saved, we do not lose heart. 
But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Listen to what Paul said. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness. You see, Americans love to think they're crafty enough to hide their hidden things of shame and go around and handle the word of God. Paul says, for we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. I'm a manifestation of the truth as best I can be. What I portray myself to be is what I really am. That's a dangerous person to the devil, and he will win souls. But when you gossip about the brethren, when they hear you mully-grubbing about the church, running down your brethren, they see you in the world acting just like everybody else, it's a waste of your breath and time to try to preach to them. So you got to understand, you got to be a man of God to represent God. And that's the biggest problem with people not being able to witness in the church. They can say, I'm scared, I don't know. But I don't believe that for a minute. Because when you get right with God and you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said, you shall be my witness and when you're living a life filled with the spirit because you are walking in the spirit you're going to be a walking witness to Jesus but guys listen don't just take my word for it listen to what the Bible says turn with me to 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 David's writing in Psalm 51 Psalm 51 is anyone aware that's the great Psalm of repentance David was a man after God's own heart. He never lost his salvation. He didn't say, God, give me my salvation back. He said, return the joy of your salvation. He didn't get lost, but he got disqualified because he sinned. And when he sinned, he didn't deal with it according to God. He tried to fix it himself. He tried to do it with religion and with sacrifices and with offerings. But he didn't, and he finally gets to the place, if you look with me, In verse 10, look at what he prays. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart and renew in me a steadfast spirit. See, he had a steadfast spirit, but it was gone because his heart was unclean. And I won't tell you this, we close out, soul winning is more of an issue of the heart and spirit than it is the mind and the intellect. All I hear since I've been in the ministry is, we don't know how. We don't understand the gospel enough. If you teach us, we'd witness. No, that don't work. You will never be a witness till your heart is right with God. You know why you don't witness today? You see, it's easy for us to think, man, he don't share the gospel, so he's backslidden. And I love a quote I heard. And some people attribute this quote to Charles Spurgeon, and other ones attribute it to another preacher. And I don't forgot his name, but it's a good quote. It says there's two kind of Christians in the church, soul winners and backsliders. <laughs> man, what a truth. But guys, you're not a backslider because you don't witness. You don't witness because you're a backslider. And your backslidden condition makes it impossible for you to do what only the Spirit can give you the ability to do. Share the gospel. 
And there's a lot of us in the church sound under my voice right now that want to share the gospel. You believe you need to share the gospel, but you never do it. It's not because you don't know or you don't want to. If you would be honest this morning, it's because you can't. You're not able. You don't have the ability. It's the same with me. I couldn't keep preaching every Sunday. If God didn't help me, I'd have quit a long time ago. I get up on Monday sometimes and say, Lord, I have no idea how I'm going to preach next. Sometimes it's getting close to Friday. <laughs> Lord, if you don't do something to me, if you don't touch me, if you don't fill me, I'm not going to have anything to give away. You see, you can't give away what you don't have. And look at what he says and pay close attention. David, a man after God's own heart, the sweet psalmist of Israel, wrote most of these praise psalms. He said, created me a clean heart, O God. Miss Aaron, that's what you just did. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. You can't sit at the feet of Jesus and hear him speak into your life. You can't sit and talk to Jesus when you're full of sinful, ungodly things that you got in your life that ought to not be there. You can't go around and run down the church and run down your fellow brothers and sisters and complain about things ain't going your way and God talk to you. See, if you can't love your brother who you have seen, the Bible says, how can you love God who you've never seen? And the church is filled with people who are habitual gossips and liars and slanderers. And they tell stuff to make themselves look good at the cost of making others look bad. And we don't think nothing of it. I used to get upset when people told things that wasn't true about me. And I'd want to go defend myself. You ever been there? And, and it's been times where it was public, and Diane said, just let them go. Calm down. Did you do it? <laughs> Are you guilty? She said, you just keep being the man of God. God will defend you. He's never, ever not took care of us. Friends, but if you... Or not what you say you are, and we live a double life, it will catch up to you. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. Not only with the fellow man you're trying to witness to and your loved one that you're trying to get to come to Christ, but it'll make you be disqualified with God. You see, you may fool me, you may fool your wife or your husband, you may fool your children, children, you may fool your parents. But there's one person you never fool, and that's God, the supplier of the Spirit, the supplier of that renewal that you need, the joy of that salvation. And look at what David said, Lord, don't cast me from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. The amazing thing about the New Testament covenant, the whole thing Jesus came to do was once he died on the cross, once he cleansed us of our original sin, once he washed us and redeemed us, he made it possible now that the Spirit of God can come back into us. He chose certain men in the Bible to put the Spirit on, like David. But for us, if you're saved, he's in us. But guys, 
Soul winning depends on what you do with the Spirit. Are you led by the Spirit? Is the Spirit in control of you? Or are you led by your own selfish self and you just do what you want to do and how you want to do it? You see, if you're led by the Spirit, the Spirit's going to empower you to go where he's trying to get you to go. And when you get there, he's going to empower you to do what he brought you there to do. Jesus said he's even going to give you the words to say what he wants you to say when you're right with God. And so look at what David says. Lord, create a clean heart in me. That's where it starts. Renew that steadfast spirit that I used to have. Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. I need to hear your voice again. I need to sit in your presence. I need to feel your your, your grace over me again in your favor. And Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous capital S spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. And sinners shall be converted to you. The reason we are not seeing transgressors being taught by us the ways of God, we don't live the ways of God. David got away from the ways of God and look what he lost. He lost the joy of his salvation. God was no longer upholding him with his generous spirit, his Holy Spirit. David had a dirty heart that he cried out. Look at what David began to cry when he finally decided to get right with God. Go back to verse 1. At the bottom of verse 1, he says, blot out my transgressions. In verse 2, he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. In verse 5, he says, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and my sin In sin, my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden parts, you shall make me know wisdom. See, God's not interested in our religion or our reputation. He's looking straight into our hearts. And he uses those who have clean hearts. Look at what he goes on and says in verse 14. Deliver me from the guilt of my bloodshed, O God. What's he talking about? He murdered Uriah. He didn't just murder a fellow soldier. He murdered one of his mighty men, one of his personal friends. He personally knew Uriah. That's why they picked Uriah to go back to the palace to tell David. Because David and him were personal acquaintances. And he he not only betrayed his friend by cheating with his wife to make him look good, to cover up what he had done wrong, he killed him. And now he's suffering from that thing that he had hidden, that shame, that, that, that guilt. And he says, deliver me from the guilt of my bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing out loud of your righteousness. You ever tried to sing to Jesus when you got all kind of things in your life that ain't supposed to be there? It's not easy to do. (laughs) And he says, for you do not deserve, you do not desire sacrifice. O Lord, open my lips. God has to open our lips. And my mouth shall show forth your praise. I'm here to tell you today that if we're going to win souls and win people, and America's going to see a change, we all talk about 
The hope of America is, yes, the church. It doesn't start with going to studies to learn how to witness. It comes with getting real with God. Have you noticed wherever revival happens and people are getting broken and people are confessing sin and people are just falling before one another in God in open brokenness, tears and crying at revival showing up? You know the last part of revival is going to show up? In people whose hearts are not what they say they are. And I know this is a hard message, but it's not easy winning souls when you're not right with God. Kyle told the truth. When you're right with God and you make up your mind to be like Paul and say, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm willing. Creating me a clean heart. Take this out of my life. Put this in my life. Rearrange my life. Take over my life. Here is my life. Lord, I'm a living sacrifice. Make me holy. Make me able to be able to do what you want me to do because that is my reasonable act of service towards you, according to Paul. Then I will go and win people to Christ. Today, there's no doubt in my mind, there's lost people sitting in here. And some of you are my church members. There's nothing that scares me more than to go to heaven and one day find that you sat under six years of my preaching and never got saved. I would hate to know that. And I'm here to tell you that I do my best to preach the whole book, to tell you the truth and nothing but the truth. But I'm here today to tell you, my friend, no one ever went to heaven because he was a member of a Baptist church. And today, no matter where you are, the hardest people to get saved, I'm convinced, are not those out there on the streets whose life is in chaos. It's the person who sits among the people of God, looking like the people of God, but he's not one of us. And friends, today I want to tell you there's nothing that you would ever do to bring more glory to God than to say, I really want to be saved. I really want to give my life to God. What saves you? It's not very hard. Sister Judy, if you look at her face page on Facebook, it's got a 60-second portrayal of the gospel presentation. It's basically this. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there's run righteous, no, not one. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. May I tell you that the Pope is not righteous apart from the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of Calvary. There's not a preacher that's righteous outside of the righteousness of Christ. And so the wages of our sin is death. We're all going to die. What is spiritual death? Spiritual death is when you have physical death, unsaved, unredeemed, unforgiven, and now you will experience spiritual death, separation from God, just like you really are right now. You're separated. You don't have a true relationship. And then when you're saved, you're reconciled. We've been studying all this. And you become part of his life, becomes your life. And so we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. The wages of our sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. For God so loved us that he demonstrated his love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that you could be saved. And so how do you receive it? You receive it just as a gift. We're saved by grace through faith. 
not of works. It's a gift. And friends, this is what he says. He says, anybody that will believe that Jesus died and rose again will be saved. That makes him righteous. And what he believes unto righteousness, everyone who believes that Jesus died and rose again is righteous. And if he confesses that with his mouth and his lips, he shall be saved. The Bible says in the verse right below that, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But don't forget, the gospel is only good news if you get to hear it in time. It's only good news to the people who have got to hear it and receive it. What does he say? He says, but how can they hear unless someone is sent? And how can someone sent unless someone goes and preaches the gospel? Friends, we need to tell people the good news of the gospel every day, every chance. And it blessed me to hear some of your stories, how you've been doing that, and how God is opening doors and showing you and using you. Some of you has come to me and said, this is my loved one. He's on my list. I'm praying, would you pray with me and would you partner with me? And we've prayed together and we're doing above and beyond. We're doing more because, guys, I'm here to tell you, it takes a lot more doing than what the most of us are doing to see people come to Christ and be saved. God will save them. If we'll do our part, he'll do his. I'm asking you, if you're lost today, you don't have to stay that way. Step out, come forward. Jesus will save you, not by that, but by the fact you're trusting him. We will celebrate with you, but I'm also talking to church members. How can we be right with God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and spend our whole Christian life never, ever sharing the greatest thing that you claim ever happened to you? You got saved. All I know was, well, you aren't like most people. I was 33, I got saved, and I ain't shut up about it yet. The only thing that's ever made me get quiet was the church (laughs) because the church keeps you so busy doing religion and taking care of religious activity that you forget to do the most important thing, witness. And guys, here it is. There's nothing more important that the rest of us who are saved will ever do but witness. And we're going to finish up tonight. I thank God for every one of you who's come and participated to be making advantage to get what you needed to be able to share the gospel. But I'm here to tell you, this is the final thing. This is the most important thing. You'll never use any of it. You'll never give any of it away. You'll never stand and be able to touch another life until you get your heart and your spirit right with God. This is why we have an altar call. This is why we come to the altar of grace. Today, all I want to do is let Jonathan play the guitar. And as he's playing the guitar, I want to ask you, what are we willing to do so that men can be saved? And if you have been trained and you do know how to share the gospel and you have the mental capacity and the religious, biblical knowledge to do it, are you doing it? And if you're not doing it, why are you not doing it? I'm going to tell you the biggest hindrance to me It's my wicked heart. (laughs) And when you get your heart right with God, you'll share it. And I know you may not want to believe this, but I challenge you to take your Bible. If you're not 
sharing the gospel, you are not a spirit-filled, living the way God wants you to live Christian. And guys, when you got something in your heart that doesn't belong there like David, this is what the Bible says happens. It grieves the Spirit of God. And when you'll sit here today knowing your heart ain't right, and God is grieved, and you're convicted, and you ain't got joy, and you, you don't have that generous spirit, and there's not that, like when you first got saved and it was like your honeymoon and you was excited and all you could do is show everybody your new bride and you was just telling everybody about Jesus but that ain't there you reject what the spirit is trying to do he wants to clean your heart he wants to renew your spirit he wants to let you confess today not only will you grieve the spirit there'll come a day in your life where you'll quench him and the most difficult the most unhappy unsatisfied people sitting in the church today is not a lost person it's a Christian who's no longer experiencing God's spirit in his life and I know I'm telling you I've been there I've lived that he wants to renew you today he wants to do what he did today we've already had a person come this morning and I praise God it didn't even take my preaching it didn't even take the we before we had an altar call so I just say we extend what's already started pray for me I'm of no use to you if I have a dirty heart I can't emphasize enough to you that the most important thing about you if God can use you is your personal morality and your character and your integrity doesn't save you but it makes you usable he's looking for clean vessels to use I've preached what God told me it wasn't what I wholly intended but I'm telling you right now that this is the truth. It's your heart that keeps you from witnessing much more than what you know up here. So I'm just going to open up this altar. This is where you come to God to cry out, to, to get real, to be transparent. Do we want revival? Do we want God to save our lost and our neighbors? Well, it starts with God fix me. But I'm telling you right now, if you're not saved, I'm going to be standing here and I'm believing someone's coming. And God loves you. He died for you and he will save you. But you got to repent. You got to come and turn. This is the reality of what we do. Paul persuaded and pleaded with men everywhere he went to give your life to Christ. And that's what I'm asking. Give your life to Christ. Because Christ gave his life for you. Would you stand? Father in heaven, I pray that you would take these words that you would take a burden and you would pour it out upon your people to where we would realize Lord that our neighbors, our loved ones that there's people everywhere we look lost and dying and going to hell and we're not speaking up, we're not sharing that it's more than just talking about it, we've got to walk it and Lord I just pray that you'll break our hearts, start with me created me a clean heart oh God thank you for Miss Erin and her desire to say I want to be real and Lord I know you're pleased with that and I know you're working now in her life and there's others here who the devil's lying he's telling them don't go but Lord if they ever want to be set free we've got to submit and discipline our bodies so that you can use us Lord help us 
Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.